0: Today on Abounding Grace, Jesus' answer for troubled hearts.
1: We want to be successful, but so many times we find ourselves failing. We want to be loved, but people will often treat us harshly or ignore us. Then there's the loss of, of a job or the death of a loved one or a very serious diagnosis from your recent doctor's visit. There's the heaviness of sickness, the heaviness of disease, the heaviness of pain, the heaviness of the economy. Troubled hearts come in all shapes and sizes. But God's heart in troubling times is found for us right here in John 14 from the lips of Jesus himself as he encourages his disciples. And we can gain great encouragement from what he shared with the men that were closest to him. This is amazing grace.
0: Welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. With all that's been going on recently in our world, many people today are confused, anxious, worried, or even depressed. Maybe that would describe you today. Well, Jesus has some comforting words for you to hear at such times. Join us in John chapter 14 and hear Jesus' answer for troubled hearts. Here's Pastor Ed.
1: Take your Bibles. Would you open them to John's Gospel chapter 14? We are in part two of a study that I've entitled Jesus' Answer for Troubled Hearts. And you'll recall, last time we were together, we learned how stressed out our world has become and how stress can really affect us. So many of you today are carrying weights and burdens around in your life that are heavy and hard, very difficult. And certainly, I know the Lord is speaking to many of you in this section, just the first few verses of chapter 14 in John's gospel. Words like worried are often combined with words as such as stress, anxiety, fearful. These are words very common to describe how much our world, much how our world feels today and what's going on in our world. And in our day and age, in our culture, Besides being just worried and stressed out and concerned and fearful, we have to add another word that really hasn't been so global as it has been in our generation. And we have to add the word terror because of the rampant terrorism that is happening around our world today. And fear and anxiety really mess with people. It really messes with us. It has the ability to take a rational person and turn them into an irrational person. That once having the confidence, uh, walking in life with great confidence, then a person under fear and anxiety begins to make very irrational decisions. And perhaps some of you have experienced that yourself. Jot it down in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. The Bible says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And often that's a scripture we'll use to really em- emphasize the importance of trusting in the Lord and not really fearing man and not fearing what man can do to you or what, he, what you think they can do to you, but really trusting in the Lord. And that word snare is interesting because it's, it's in contrast to trusting the Lord, the safety of trusting by faith in God. And the word snare is often referred to as a trap. It's a trap to fear man. It's a trap to really worry about what man thinks. Some of you you might refer to this as being a people pleaser. It's just a trap. You can never make everybody happy. And you try one group and this group, and then, but the Bible says that if my ways please the Lord, that God can even make my enemies be at peace with me. And we need to learn how to trust in the Lord. But the idea of the trap, it's actually a broader word in the Hebrew. The word snare literally means to be entangled or involved with great difficulties or something that impedes progress. And I can say that anxiety and worry and being stressed out has a way of stopping our progress, has a way of entangling us, has a way of taking away our trust in the Lord. And fears are very common. There are a lot of them out there. So many people live in fear, Christians and non-Christians alike. So much so, That a few years ago, Time Magazine had a cover article on the topic of fear. And the article talks about things that people are afraid of in life. And we all know people who have a fear of heights, or a fear of small places, or a fear of flying. My dad, he had a very real fear of flying. And it didn't matter what we did to try to talk him out of it, or how we tried to help him. It's just something that he never was really able to get over. And the article goes on to say that people that have phobias, there are phobias for just about everything imaginable. And the the article said that like 50 million people in the U.S. have some kind of fear of phobia. Here's just a few of them that are out there. For example, there's cathisophobia, that's the fear of sitting. And I see many of you don't have that today, the fear of sitting. Or how about cyclophobia, the fear of bicycles, alladoxophobia, the fear of opinions, a the fear of bathing, and I hope none of you have that. There is dentophobia. Sorry for you dentists out there, but it's the fear of dentists. But I don't think that's actually a real, uh, a real accurate way, because I don't think people really are afraid of dentists. They're afraid of the drill in the dentist's hand. You know, the one that... And then the smells of your teeth being drilled into and all of... That's what you're afraid of. Welcome to church, how's <laughs> that? Then there's the fear of electrophobia, the fear of chickens. Anupatophobia, the fear of staying single. Arachnoidophobia, the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. That's legit. Look it up. Arithmophobia, the fear of numbers. So the next time you bomb on a math test, just tell your teacher you're dealing with arithmophobia, man. I just don't like numbers. There's francophobia, the fear of France. Anglophobia, the fear of Great Britain. How about this one? We totally all have this one. Automatonophobia. It doesn't matter what it is. This is what it is. The fear of ventriloquist dummies. Those are just weird, man. Especially what they've done with them in the movies. There's just no thanks. How about this one? After service last night, somebody else came up and, and suggested one. And, and this one is, I mean, I don't know if you have this one or not, but I need to find it. And it is Cola um, it Robophobia. It's the fear of clowns. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of fears out there. A lot of things that we're concerned about. And while we're able to laugh, and I'm glad we did get a few laughs, for many, fear is real. And even some of these phobias, whatever their origin might be, fear is a real thing, and it isolates people. It it brings them to a screeching halt. When we think of fears, you know, we can look back in the past, and, and the past haunts us. We look to the present, and the present often overwhelms us. And then we look to the future, and since the future's unknown, it only heightens anxiety in our hearts. But today, the Bible says, and Jesus is telling us, that he's got it all worked out, that he has it all under control, whatever you might fear, the past catching up with you, the present that's unknown, the future, God's got it all worked out. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life your word has given me life it's once been said that fear imprisons but faith liberates fear paralyzes but faith empowers fear disheartens but faith encourages fear sickens but faith heals fear makes useless but faith makes usable and most of all fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life while faith rejoices in its god and knowing, experiencing, and abiding in the love of God casts out all fear, the Bible says. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And we can't just simply approach stress and anxiety and fear and difficulty and as Jesus describes today in our text, troubled hearts, We can't just approach it by trying to ignore it, or pretend it doesn't exist, or turn a blind eye, or look at some of these phobias and say, you know, I don't have that, and what is that, and why is people have... We can't just simply do that, but, but instead, we need to face these things with truth and fidelity. We need to walk in the confidence of what God has revealed to us in his word. We need to take special close attention to the words of Jesus Christ here, because... There are a lot of frightening things in our culture right now. These things stress us out. Life can be filled with so many disappointments and pain. Job put it this way in Job 14 verse 1. He said, how frail is humanity, how short is life, and how full of trouble. Life is full of trouble. And there are a lot of troubles that you and I face over the years of our lives. Disappointment is a real trouble. And there are many disappointments. We're often disappointed in ourselves because we're not always what we want to be and we don't always say what we want to say and we don't always think what we want to think. And we look at our life today and we think, you know, this is not what I expected for my life and we're disappointed. Disappointment often for the believer will lead to self-condemnation. Even though the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ, if you have a tendency toward beating yourself up, then you recognize that can be very troubling and heavy on your heart. We often want to be strong, but so often we're weak. Life doesn't always go our way. It's not always how we had planned. We want to be successful, but so many times we find ourselves failing. We want to be loved, but people will often treat us harshly or ignore us. Then there's the loss of of a job or the death of a loved one or a very serious diagnosis from your recent doctor's visit. There's the heaviness of sickness, the heaviness of disease, the heaviness of pain, the heaviness of the economy. Troubled hearts come in all shapes and sizes. But God's heart in troubling times is found for us right here in John 14 from the lips of Jesus himself as he encourages his disciples. And we can gain great encouragement from what he shared with the men that were closest to him. We often think of the disciples in a very technical term, like they're the ones that Jesus is preparing, they're the ones that he's training, they're the ones that he's getting ready for his soon departure, and that's all true. But I don't want us to overlook the reality is that Jesus was their best friend. He was very important to them. He loved them and they loved him. They gave up everything in life to follow him, not just because he was Messiah and not just because he was Savior, because it took time for them to come to that realization, Instead, they were attracted to him, to follow him. He had characteristics, of course, as God in human flesh that they wanted to associate with, that they wanted to be a part of. And it was in chapter 13 in John that they gathered together for a meal, not unlike they did all in the previous three years. They came together to share a meal together, to enjoy life together, to talk about the things of the spirit, to talk about the kingdom of God, to talk about the glory of God as believers do today but something at this meeting wasn't quite right something at this gathering was in the air and you could feel it you see jesus as he shares he drops the bomb on them and says that there's going to be a betray i'm going to be betrayed and he's actually the betrayer sitting at the table and then he turns to peter and says you're going to deny me and then he talks to the group and says hey i'm going to leave you and the world as they knew it came crashing down on them And they were troubled and they were concerned and they weren't sure what the future held for them. They were a bit confused. They couldn't understand it. Pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 14, where Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. This was the answer of Jesus to the troubled hearts at the table. And notice in verse 5, they didn't understand. Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? It's a very difficult time for them. Even though Jesus has been preparing them, even though he's been teaching them, even though at this time after three years with Jesus... There is a sense that they should have known more than they did. They didn't. And they didn't understand. Jesus was telling them what was up ahead in their future. I don't want you guys to be so troubled. Don't let it happen. Cuz even as the their world is crashing in around them in the moment, friends, it's going to get much worse for them. This isn't the worst time in their lives. It's going to get much harder. It's going to be much more difficult as they see Jesus taken away after the betrayal, as they hear of him being beaten and tortured as an innocent man, as they watch him being hung on a Roman cross. Do you know that he was beaten so bad that the Bible describes his face was so messed up that you couldn't recognize him? Imagine. You wouldn't be able to tell unless you knew who he was. You wouldn't know who he was. You see, life is going to get much harder for them. If you like to write in your Bibles in verse one, you can circle that word troubled. Because in the Greek language, that word literally means to be agitated. It can also mean to be disturbed. It can also mean to be thrown into confusion. This is no small thing that they're facing, even as I know many of you in your life right now are facing no small thing. And it's agitated you. And you're a little confused. It's disturbing and it's hard and it's unsettling to your heart. It might even look right now like your world is falling apart. And Jesus would say, don't let your hearts sink down so low. We recognize those as words from Jesus, but they're hard to comprehend. We look at these words, we hear them and we think, well, how in the world can I do that? How? If you're asking that question today, you're asking a very good question. We understand the source of our anxiety. We, get a, we grasp the difficulty of our life. But how, how, how can I move forward without changing the circumstance? It's outside of our control. Without, nothing that the disciples could have done, even though they even tried to stop the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that would not be, that was the will of God for their lives. So how, how? What do you mean, don't let my heart be troubled? Remember in verse one, that's a command, that's a command let not your heart be troubled and while circumstances have an effect on our lives so do we we can take something in our lives and we can run it through constantly continually constantly focusing on it i mean you you think of some of the symptoms you might be feeling in your body and the last thing you really want to do is go to WebMD, because by the time you're done at WebMD, man it's over it's just over i didn't want to read any of that And then the pain goes away, and you move forward with your life. You see, there is an element of which we control where our mind goes. Remember, the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. There, the author was speaking, the Holy Spirit was talking to us and teaching us about having the mind of humility. Humility. But the mind of trust and the mind of obedience and the mind of Christ is yours by faith, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be so agitated, church, so disturbed, so thrown into confusion. There's at least four things here, if you're taking notes, that Jesus tells us how we can learn to not let our hearts be so troubled. And They're encouraging words to us. I wish with the words that would also change the circumstance, but it could get even worse for you and me and not better. And that shouldn't stumble us in our faith. Our trust should grow during these times. So here are the things. Number one, how is it that we can let not our hearts be troubled? Number one, trust God at his word. That's what Jesus says here. Trust God at his word. What does he say? You believe in God, you believe also in me. Trust him. Meet fear with faith. Jesus is saying to believe in what he's doing and trust him. Trust him in the good times, trust him in the bad times. Trust him in the peaceful times, trust him in the troubling times. Believe his word. The Bible is a book that God has given to us that we can trust, that we can base our lives upon. This is, this is no ordinary book, but the Bible declares for itself that it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This book has the ability to be used by God and the Holy Spirit in amazing ways in your life. Trust God in His Word. Trust God. The situations in your life, it's God's way of preparing us and training us in every way Fully equipped for every good thing that God wants to do in our lives. And he reminds them, you guys trust God. Trust me on this. Keep your eyes firmly fixed upon me. I can't tell you how many times I will share that piece of counsel with someone. You'll hear it, It, and we'll use the phrase. It actually comes from the book of Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And how many times the counsel of the word will be, hey, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. You keep looking to him. You keep going in that direction. Don't leave fellowship. Don't leave prayer. Don't leave the word. Don't let the circumstances undermine your faith. Believe. Believing, you know, the definition of faith in the scripture is is believing what you don't currently see and trusting God to come through for you. That's what Jesus is saying. Keep your eyes on him. How easy it is to divert and be so consumed by the difficulty in which we're in that we forget that God is still on the throne. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't turned his back upon you, even though you may be feeling the consequences of sin in the world or even the consequences of your own sin in your life. There is hope for you. Keep your eyes firmly fixed upon him. Trust God at his word. Trust God at his word. Number two, this is for the Christian here today, the Christian listening in. No matter what happens to you, you're going to heaven. All right, just take that to the bank, all right? No matter what happens to you, heaven is promised to you. There is a heavenly promise that's available to you when Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. God has promised you heaven. You're gonna make it by the power of God. You're gonna make it. God is gonna fulfill his eternal promise to you. I mean, thinking about eternity helps to put perspective on the here and now. You're gonna make it. You have God's word on your eternity. It's the promise for every believer that when we die, God has a place prepared for us, an eternal dwelling place. Are you enduring hardship today? Are you battling an illness? Are you in the throes of grief? Has your marriage fallen apart? Are your kids going sideways? Whatever difficulty that's getting the best of you, understand heaven is still yours. There is a heavenly hope.
0: You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and part of a study in John's Gospel. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceradio.com or you can listen through our app as well. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. And we also have a podcast. Look for us where you get your podcasts. Pastor Ed, as we've been talking about Jesus's answer for troubled hearts, I was reminded of that book you wrote recently by a similar title. It's God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Did you have this passage in John 14 in mind when you wrote it? And where can listeners go to order it?
1: Yeah, Larry, you know, we are so encouraged and I am have to say quite a bit surprised at how successful God has made this book. And what I mean by successful is that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies have been in the hands of men and women that need to have that settled heart when difficult times come. And it is, it's it's the need for a settled heart, a heart that is reminded of the necessity of trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding acknowledging him in all our ways and he'll direct our paths and many of you know the book um, God's help for the troubled heart was written through a series of Bible studies that I taught to our church here after the death of my son Eddie and that was probably not let me rephrase that it was and continues to be the greatest deepest tragedy in my life and it's ongoing it's not just grief, but the drama surrounding uh, the decisions and things surrounding the loss of my, you know when my my son's voice is not here, nobody advocates for his heart or his family and it's just it's just horrible. But God is the answer to troubled, difficult situations and troubled hearts. And I want to encourage you, pick up the book, you can get it wherever you get books. it's available, but you can also support missions. And the work of Grace FM. If you buy anything from Calvary Co. Store, Calvary Co. Store. It's not a large selection of things, but it is the bookstore online that we have here at the church. And all the net proceeds from that go to our missionaries. So you can be encouraged. And then you'll know you'll be all the resources will be kept in the kingdom. And I've done that with our book. And so the. The books that are sold through the bookstore that we have here, um, all the proceeds, including uh, anything that an author would get, you know, and that's how we do it here, goes to missionaries. And that's the way it is. Isn't that so good? CalvaryCo.Store.
0: That's God's Help for the Troubled Heart, available right now at CalvaryCo.Store. It's your generosity that helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Gospel of John. That's right here on Abounding Grace.